0: Hey guys, Jackie Arend was my guest on the show this week. Jackie is one of the founding members of the Torch Improv Theater here in Phoenix. Uh, Jackie has done a bunch of great work with them. They've been operating for over a decade now in town. I, I've taken a class there. I've performed once or twice on stage and I've seen a lot of their shows and it is always a good time they really know what they're doing and it's been really interesting to hear the other side of that as, as Jackie said a long journey with him but is now at a point in her life where she's reevaluating stuff and I think that's such an amazing thing for an artist to do of any kind just uh, you know after investing so much of their life in one thing to, to take a step back you know step away from themselves really quick and, and reassess what they want to do with the rest of their life and I think that it is a fascinating conversation and I appreciate her sharing uh, her heard kind of nervous moments with me uh, i i uh, i hope that it's something that everyone can gain from as much as i've uh, gained from it uh in the meantime real quick uh when this goes out it will be the second i think day of voting for a, a competition that takes place here in the valley uh called two minute audition um it's something that, that they started a few years back but uh, as now i'm coming back again uh it's basically a way that you uh, people have submitted like two-minute-long audition monologues. Like they record videos of themselves doing it. Um, they pick the their top group of them, and they kind of do head-to-head challenges, basically, that are all based around voting uh, for the video you like the most on Facebook. And uh, we do have a previous uh, guest actually uh, in the competition, um, Rebecca Gambino. I might remember her from an early episode. But really, it's just a cool, cool thing for mostly local actors to kind of put themselves out there and, and uh, kind of show their best work. Uh, so I, I definitely encourage anybody who's uh, interested to check it out, at least to check out uh, Rebecca's, uh, Rebecca Gambino-Harris on there, I believe is, is what it's listed under. Uh, but it's Two Minute Audition. It's uh, number2minaudition.com or on Facebook, the same uh, phrasing. Uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and there's also great stuff happening with Laughing Big Theater that I'll go into in more detail later on. But for now, I'm checking in with Jackie, who I caught at the very end of an audition. Literally, as she was walking out of the room, I dragged her into a hallway to discuss her life's work with me. I hope she didn't mind. I I know it's for the best because you will enjoy Jackie Errand. Starving Artist Phoenix, I'm Tony Machete, and I have Jackie Arendt with me. How are you doing, Jackie? I'm
1: great. Thank you, Tony.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, again, we kind of meet on short notice, which I really appreciate, but I suppose that is kind of your forte, if I can be so cheesy as to say oh, that. Yeah. going you mean off the cuff. Just yeah. in terms <laughs> of like <laughs> yeah, my yeah. improv background. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, is mean, a pretty storied one. I know you started from Chicago and ended up here. So I mean what was what was the impetus behind like that transition, like starting off doing stuff with I.O. Chicago and coming yeah. to Phoenix?
1: Well, I was actually living in Phoenix. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I was living here. And, um, but I was from like Michigan near the Chicago area. So I was familiar a little bit with what was going on there. But um, I had been going to school at SEC and I was in oh. the theater department a little bit. As, I was a film major. Yeah. Um, but I kind of dropped out of school. <laughs> Uh, because I worked in the service industry and, uh, I got, um, very into the socialization and, uh, the party scene yeah. kind of a little bit. And, um, I found myself kind of stuck. Like I didn't have anything that was motivating me or driving me. And <clears throat> the one thing I knew, I knew that I liked, um, uh, I liked, uh, acting, but mm-hmm. I just didn't really have the discipline at the time. So, um, improvisation seemed to be the next best thing. So I, so I sought out um, this intensive in Chicago at I.O., which is a five-week yeah. intensive, and I had friends living there that I went to high school with, so it seemed like a uh, win-win. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, the way I tell the story is that I really just wanted to go and stay in Chicago for <laughs> summer, and in order to justify <laughs> it with my parents, like the expenses, yeah. um, I decided to go to I.O., so that it felt like I was working towards something. Nice. Um, but when I got there, I fell in love with it, the improv. Yeah. I saw uh, improv Monday through Friday, yeah. and then I hung out with my friends on the weekend, um, it was one of the best summers of my life, and yeah. um, came back to Phoenix and had an audition lined up with um, with a group that was there was here at the time, directed mm-hmm. by Matt Rosine, who used to be with the Jesters, called the Originals, and auditioned for them and got on that team and mm-hmm. kind of started performing right away. Um, got to kind of explore some leadership roles in that group. Cool. Um, that's how I met Stacy Hanlon, Chell Hernandez, and Dehas. Um, Chris Williams, and we later broke off and formed Light Rail Pirates out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, during that first year of coming back here, my first year of improvisation, of improv experience, I joined the Phoenix Improv Festival Production Committee, or the, mm-hmm. the organizers, and just kept working with them year after year, and then that's how I got to know like Bill Binder, Mac Duncan, Jose Gonzalez, mm-hmm. um, and you know we kind of grew to be confident enough that we could start our own theater and bring more long form to the valley, to Phoenix. Because at the time, there wasn't a space or theater dedicated to it.
0: Was was the originals more of like a jester's type of You know, he he
1: called it medium form. (laughs) um, And it was basically improv games and then some scene work. And and I think a lot of the scene work was really just to fulfill, because we had quite a few long form Mm-hmm. Improvisers mm-hmm. or people who were interested in long form, at least. It. So it was an opportunity to fulfill our hunger for longer scenes and, you know, more connected um, uh, sort of experiences. You know, so that they weren't just a bunch of disjointed games, but able to, you know, work with callbacks and connections a little bit more. So.
0: Got it. Okay. And, and so, uh, I know you mentioned that you you kind of met these other people through the festival and stuff, and and uh, got confident enough to develop a theater. So what? Was that always the plan? Were, were you uh, like always intending to start your own theater with it, and you just had to find the right people in the right situation? Or, I mean, how did that spark mm-hmm. happen?
1: Um, yeah, no, I didn't have a plan. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, like I said, I was you know I was 25 at yeah. the time. I was partying a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked my life, but I felt like it wasn't going to go anywhere. Like I just saw my future of me being in my 30s, you know, working in the restaurant still, and I was like, that's not what I want. Um, I had such, like, lofty goals when I was in high school and when I first started college of being a director or being in the film industry, and those those goals fizzled out because I wasn't, I didn't find, I needed a community. Mm. And, um, you know, no offense to the film industry, but it's, you know, it's difficult because it's very competitive and, you know, you kind of have to have an ego to succeed. And so finding improv was like finding a community And the supportive nature of it was, like, everything I was kind of looking for as a performer. Mm. Um, So it just all kind of fell into my lap. I think that I just happened to be motivated. I'm a doer. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm... I'm a, I'm a doer, and when people come to me with ideas, I figure out how to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great skill that I have, um, and so when all these ideas were coming in, I was like at that point in my life where I didn't have anything else, so it was easy for me to just say just go all in. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Go all in. So I just kind of rode the wave, mm-hmm. and whatever it brought me, um, I, I dealt with, um, and I got super lucky. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen to everybody. I mean, because it's such a young community, I was teaching in my second year of improvising. I was a terrible teacher. Uh, It took me a while to get my groove and, you know, hone my skill set in that regard. Were you
0: aware of that at the time? Like, did you know as you were teaching that early that you... I don't need. I don't deserve to be up here. That type of thing. Or?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I th- I think I I was a great note taker, and I was I'm you know was very observant. So I was really able. I was able to re communicate the mm. exercises and what they're trying to do, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily have the ability to um, be critical and mm. and analyze, you know, why things weren't going well. Mm. Um, so my ability to guide people to find success wasn't that great. But I do remember like saying things, uh, and then, and then in my head the whole time just being like, this is bullshit. What you're saying is total bullshit. You know, like, like you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. And that was tough. That was hard. Um, uh, because I think at first it's just like, well, we're, we're pioneers almost in a way in terms of long form. So, and, and I tend tended to teach the upper levels. So I, I was just, you know, basically just passing on or regurgitating what I what I'd learned, sure. um, and and that was fine because there wasn't anybody else to do it in this town. <laughs> but then when I was like trying to teach like lower levels and beginning skills, um, yeah, I just felt like I was, yeah, I just I wasn't good enough. But it's okay because it, it that motivated me to mm-hmm. like really improve, and um, I feel like I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty solid.
0: So it seems like yeah, when uh, when you're dealing with the upper levels, it's almost more of just a group of peers like sharing knowledge. It's like, well, this is what I've heard. This is the type of thing, and you kind of pass it on. But when people are coming in fresh, it's you're kind of responsible for their success a little bit more, maybe.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it was definitely like that.
0: So when did you realize that you were comfortable with that again? Because, I mean, you teach the, the, the lower levels now still, right? So, I mean, at what point was did you kind of reassess yourself and, and realize you were ready for that?
1: Um, you know, it really didn't – I cannot define a specific moment that, mm. that m- made me realize that. Um, it just kind of happened. Like, suddenly – like, it just kind of slowly happened over a period of time, and suddenly people were, like, telling me how, you know, how much they enjoyed my class and – um, you know, all the things, like, it's so funny <laughs> because you, you start to like create your own personality as an instructor as well. And in terms of where your patience, you know, where your tolerance level is for things. And like, I get students who come back to me and say, oh, you yelled at me this one time and I'll never forget it. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I yelled at you because <laughs> I mean, I'm not, uh, a, a particularly angry person, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I will get frustrated and and be straightforward uh, if it calls for that. But yeah, I usually get those stories thrown back at me.
0: This is something interesting, and I I don't want to like back into a corner saying it or anything. But with somebody, especially who's teaching that like, kind of such quick turnover type of courses, like you know the the classes uh, there are normally what like eight weeks yeah. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't always, don't always move on to the next level. They don't always continue. Uh, do you find that, like as you've gone on and you've gotten more used to it? Like, do you find it harder to get invested in the classes or invested in the students as they're coming in as it, as it becomes a little more routine?
1: Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, it's different for me now because I, in the last year have pulled away a lot, mm-hmm. um, because I'm, act- I'm trying to be an actor. Um, uh, which I guess like as an improviser you always are, but there, it's a much different focus and it takes more time. So I'm not like, I, cause I used to be, uh, basically the community liaison. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I, um, welcomed all the students. I, registered for for all their classes. I was available always for questions, you know, I was always around. So when it's when it's like that, when you're constantly seeing them and you're watching them grow even when they're not in your classes, it's very rewarding because you know you're a part of that, you know. You know ultimately throughout the course of their improv you're part of that, and and ultimately, like people who really get into it, love talking about it. So you know, you could be, um, you know, running into somebody that you haven't had for two months, and then suddenly you're in a four-hour conversation with them about everything they've learned. You know, and so you you know, you still have an influence on them. I think now that um, that maybe I'm not seeing the students as much, um, you know, and it's a, it's hard to say because I think it, a lot of it just depends on how much you're willing to give. Mm you know, the students and their path through it. Um, And unfortunately, when you start focusing your attention on other things, um, you don't have as much to give. And so that has certainly changed. I think that's been the major aspect that has kind of changed um, my relationship with students once they rotate out of my class.
0: So uh, this seems like, you know, the, the kind of scripted acting is, is was kind of your first foot in as well. Well, I guess, I mean, when you started film, it wasn't even necessarily performing, right? You kind of wanted to so you wanted to be a director, you wanted to be on the other side of the camera. So let's, let's start there, I guess. Then. Where did you discover the love of performing?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I've always been a performer. Um, I, I, at a very young age, yeah. um, was make, were, I was making people laugh. And I learned very early how to make people laugh. Um, it might've been just a natural thing or something that I got genetically or, or was influenced, you know, to be so, but, um... Uh, My, you know, I would do things around, like, I remember I rode a tricycle (laughs) in, like, a a little, um, a fashion show for Apple Cider Century, which was a bike race that we had in our town every year, and I just rode it, all I did was ride a tricycle Mm. across the stage, and it was just like, (laughs) you know, so, and I remember that um, very well, and, um, so there was a drive towards it always as a kid.
0: You said just genetically. I mean, it was this pretty well encouraged then by, by your family and the people around you to pursue that kind of thing? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think my um, I, I always had the gifts to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, there was always laughter around so. so
0: you think the environment was there too that you think that you know they they always kind of saw you as the little performer and they wanted you to be like, you know? yeah
1: yeah I mean I was <laughs> super weird and goofy I still am very super weird and goofy um, and they never really like yeah they never um, stifled that you know um, I don't feel—at least, not that I know of. <laughs> I mean, maybe one day some old trauma will come up. We'll see. But I mean, I don't think I would be who I am if we that,
0: have them uh, here now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, oh no, my uh, parents!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. Uh,
0: but okay, so so uh, this is—it seems like then was the improv kind of a, a really long, involved detour um, away from scripted acting. That you're kind of going full yeah, circle now. Or? You
1: know, it's tough. I mean, we're getting into like super. Uh, <laughs> Like I've been thinking a lot about this yeah. because you know this is it's I'm I'm kind of going after a dream that I've always had but that I kind of set aside because at, at the time in high school, when I got into drama and I was like going out for plays, I was never getting any big roles. I was always getting you know it was always an extra or playing like that side character. Um, you know, they
0: say there are no small parts, but that weighs on you. It does.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially if you're not necessarily getting, you know, and I, I, yeah, and my comedy was kind of almost always being drawn out and played upon. Um, so I wasn't, wasn't really being challenged, Mm -hmm. um, towards drama. Um, and, uh, and it, yeah, it, it, I don't, unfortunately I don't think there was anybody who said, oh no, no, you have a gift, you know, keep Mm -hmm. doing it, you know, like, You know, there's no small parts, exactly. Like, I don't feel like that was ever said to me, and no offense to my drama teacher, because she was amazing. But, (laughs) um, so I made the decision that if I can't be in front of the camera, if I'm not good enough to Mm. be in front of the camera, I'll go behind the camera Mm. um, and be a part of that process. And I was very into it for a long time. Um, But then I, like, when I went to SEC and I was uh, studying film there, I had to take acting classes because I was in the acting-directing track. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was more in love with that than I was with film. So, you know, it was kind of like a, it was kind of a punch in the gut, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, It's interesting because I think, like, when you're a teenager, you're so confident. Like, you feel like you're so wise, right? You know so much. And maybe it's because your, your world is you know, around peers who are all going through the same thing. So, you know, status levels, you know, exist. But when you go out into the real world and you get into college in your 20s, like, life is so fragile. And uh, it's almost like you're rebuilding, you know, like your foundation, like as if you've, you've grown out of your home and you need to build a new one, but you don't have any clue how to.
0: Yeah, you know? and I think that's a really like raw feeling that I think a lot of people kind of relate to, especially in like getting into like the academic settings too, like in college where it just feels like maybe you're not getting the opportunities you want and no one will really tell you why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. just don't know like, why, what am I doing wrong? And no one, no one can just tell you what you're doing wrong. And yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think like out of that, out of all of that com- confusion, I got really lazy and I was having so much fun. With friends and stuff, and doing that stuff, and experiencing life, which I don't regret, and I would never give back because um, those years that I spent um, just being dumb and irresponsible were so. But be- I, I feel so beneficial to where I am now, or oh. even where I was when I found improv. Because yeah, not and yeah, definitely. I knew that I wanted to go back to performing. I've been thinking about this aspect a lot lately too. I watched Shaun of the Dead, and I ended up getting into Spaced. Um, yeah. And if you don't know about it, it's Simon Pegg wrote it with, um, his co-star and Edgar Wright directed it. Jessica
0: Hines. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Jessica Hines. Yeah. And then they, um, uh, Edgar and Simon went on Mm -hmm. to make Shaun of the Dead Mm -hmm. and Nick Frost is involved. And, um, and, and it was, it it was so, it had such an impact on me recognizing that, um, that, that's, that, that was what I wanted to be doing. Like I wanted to be doing what those guys were doing, um, and and I think that kind of lit the fire, or the bug, to say, okay, well, I got to figure out what's next. Um, and and I had a coworker at the time. His name's Dave Thurston. He lives in this town too. Um, he did uh, the Outliers for a little while and was with the Jesters as well. He worked with me at Applebee's at the time. And when I was kind of talking about how I was pursuing comedy. Um, uh, I had mentioned Second City, and they had, like, a week intensive. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, you should do I.O. They have a five-week intensive. And I'm like, even better, (laughs) two-month stay in in Chicago? Yes, bring it on, you know. Um, So that was kind of how all that went down. And I joke that improv is, like, the lazy actor's, um, (laughs) you know, golden gate, you know. Um, Because out of it, and my passion for it, and and you know and basically I ran the you know I was part co-founded and was a part of the Torch team for ten years. So for ten years I'm learning about curriculum, tr- how to run a training center, how to run a theater, you know all of these things. And, and ultimately uh, you know to be involved in it in that regard, as well as to, to continue to want to be a great performer and to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I I became disciplined.
0: And that's something I, I I am really interested in too. Um, just because I, I uh, I've taken like some uh, some improv courses myself, and I teach in a uh, beginning improv course. But I'm fascinated with how how much you guys have been able to get into. I guess just like a rhythm of it, like how much you were able to mine uh mine discipline and, and kinda of craft from the whole idea of it and have this kind of process of this is step one is this, step two is this. And so how what was that process like of just creating what your system was going to be, how it was gonna represent you?
1: Um yeah, you know, we got really lucky. I mean we definitely are still mm-hmm. maintain a a a <laughs> A little bit of luck. Because when we started the theater, we we decided that we would run it as a collective. So we didn't have any roles. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all equal in it. And we all had uh, equal um, stake, you mm-hmm. know, uh, opinion-wise and all of that. And another, uh, we were very comfortable with that because we all loved each other very much. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, on top of that, we all had the same goals the same ideals the same ideas in mind of what we wanted what we wanted our theater to represent and how we wanted to pass on the torch um our theater is called the torch I just got that <laughs> yeah um so uh yeah and how we wanted to do that and and because of my background at IO and Bill's background at IO cuz he went through the whole program um taking the full classes not an intensive mm-hmm. he drove like from phoenix to LA to do that um and a lot of the people that we were working with had a background in the I.O. philosophy because, as well because of what was being passed on to them. So that gave us our baseline. You know, we said we like this, we like this, we like this about it. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we take all of those things that we like and then make it our own? Mm-hmm. Um, and we use like a, a teacher's rubric. Um, that they use in the education system Mm -hmm. to kind of establish our, our first curriculum of like, you know, how we want to, um, create, relate and explore, or I don't remember what they all were. (laughs) I feel so bad because we're actually, we're actually refining our curriculum right now. And, um, uh, yeah, so this is actually just bringing to the surface how little amount of work I've been putting into it. But, um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so it was just really kind of easy. And, and when we first started, it was just like, here, let's just pop a bunch of exercises yeah. um, and where we feel like they're useful, at what level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really identify, you know, what we want our students to walk away with from each level. And, yeah, and so it was really easy. Uh, and then I think over the years, we just kind of refined and tightened and... Mm-hmm you know, every teacher kind of has their own approach to what the, you know, what the goals are for each level, um, which is nice. So we still get to kind of play to our own strengths as instructors and that sort of thing. So
0: is that, and again, this is a loaded question. I don't want to put you in a weird spot, but is, is there ever a, like a, a disconnect that you feel as somebody who, you know, is again, pursuing, uh, like performing themselves and for so long did, um, uh, of like, I Like charging money to to pass like something on to pass knowledge on. Like, is there ever like a a disconnect you feel with that as somebody who's been on the other side of it?
1: Oh my gosh, not somebody who's been on the other side of it, Mm. but some you know because I get it. You know, like I understand. I understand that it costs money for people's time, and especially if you want a good you know good education in anything, Mm. you know you know hopefully the money will speak to the value, right? Um however as being a non you know a non-profit organization and we all struggled with this is that we wanted to be very affordable and accessible mm-hmm. and so we always under you know under undervalued yeah. what we were giving and we've gotten better about it and um you know have raised our prices uh, as necessary as we mm-hmm. went along but I get th- but I still have this problem like I'm you know I work for Arizona Actors Academy as well mm-hmm. and and I really love working for that organization um, and I've had to basically go through that with my boss in terms of like what my value is. Um, not with her, not with her, but her sure. saying to me, what are you doing? Like you're not, yeah. you you are, you're worth so much more what than what you're this. worth. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But you also want to be accessible. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because when your time gets more valuable, it's much easier to charge what you're worth because, you know, I mean, I, when I coached, um, I always wanted to charge more. I always wanted to charge what I thought I was worth, but I always like created these packages that where it's like became very cheap, um, you know, which was a little bit of of financial security in that regard because you know it's like okay, well I'm guaranteeing, you know, this, um, but also yeah that accessibility of like I, I'm coaching you out of love, not for the mo- you know not for the money. The mm-hmm. money's great, but eventually there was a point where it turned, yeah, and um, and unfortunately like as your time. The, becomes more valuable you know you have to you have no choice
0: yeah what 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 characterized that moment for you like what how, how do you feel like you, you you made that decision because i think that's something that a lot of us struggle with is is yeah. being honest with ourselves about what we should be paid and asking for money seems very weird i think yeah. for artist sometimes oh yeah. it's
1: still weird <laughs> i'm i'm trying to ask for my high rates and i still end up reducing them because it feels <laughs> yeah so i'm still trying to get used to it you know, I think, uh, I think it maybe started when... Well, I think that, yeah, my boss, Brandy, had a major influence on me in me understanding my value in many ways, not just finan- You know, not just in that regard. Um, and I thank her immensely for that. Um, uh, so that was one thing. But I think, like, when I started taking acting classes, um, I knew I wanted to set aside more time for that. And at that time, I was, ch- I was chained. To improv. Mm. Um, it felt like a chain. So, you know, it's like you're performing every night, you're down at the theater three you know, three nights a week, plus you're teaching maybe once, coaching once, you know, and you're trying to make a living, yeah. you know, all at the same time. And it's like the, 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 you know, the anxiety that was welling up inside of me was excruciating. And so it's like, you know, you can't... Um, you know i couldn't justify setting out what little time i had left to coach somebody at a reduced rate
0: sure
1: you know but but that's tough to come by i mean that's tough to figure out because like i had i had to d- decide i had to figure out and determine what was cre- creating all the anxiety and um, and not everybody necessarily is able to really figure that out you know
0: now, I mean, I, I do want to talk a little bit about like your, your relationship with Arizona Actors Academy, and uh, just kind of the the relationship to you with um, scripted acting and improv. Because I'm a firm believer in that scripted actors should all take an improv class, improvisers should all take a scripted acting class yeah. at some point. Just I think that it uh, minds different skills from you, and, and it kind of only improve the other. So I'm curious, kind of, what your philosophy is on that, and kind of how how you set out to to do that.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean. I definitely think, yeah, I mean, I think improvisers don't need to take an acting class if they don't want to. I think that if they want to f- to be more real on stage and to be, mm-hmm. have more believability in the characters and the moments they're trying mm-hmm. to project, I think an acting class can really help with that. I do think that actors should take an improv class, definitely. It's
0: <laughs> a little more one-sided for you. It's <laughs> a little more
1: one-sided for me, yes. Um, and a lot of that is because, you know, uh, there is a a level of flexibility that comes out of improv skills. Um, oh, the, the the whole philosophy that there are no mistakes, mm-hmm. that mistakes are gifts, and that they introduce new opportunity for you is something that I think only, like, well, you can learn it in other ways. I mean, it's definitely other things will give you that same lesson, but improv is like it it's drives science. yes it drives it into <laughs> yeah. you you know it becomes part of your muscle memory yeah. you know and you start to become more comfortable with not being perfect and mm-hmm. embracing mistakes and being not being afraid to fail and i think i think actors get so uh, gets get so wrapped around the idea of there being a right way and get so afraid to fail that they um that they can't get past mm-hmm. it right so then they're never taking risks and they're never playing boldly and I think in improv, you know, that you're taught. I mean, you're you're encouraged and taught to play boldly, sure. you know, in a supportive way, of course. So that's kind of my philosophy on that. In regards to what it did for me, it's it's a little unique for me because what was happening was after 10 years of improvising, mm-hmm. I was I was desperate for drama. Mm-hmm. Like I was desperate for real honest moments on stage. Sure. And I just didn't have the right team. I love like all of my duos, but they're all improvisers and and they you know they're very funny and yeah. you know and it gets difficult you know when you've got a great setup in your improv scene, you're going to play to the to the joke you yeah. know um, because you want that laugh you know you want that aud- the audience to enjoy that laugh, mm-hmm. that laugh opportunity
0: and there's something to when you, when you're in front of an audience like, and especially in an improv setting um, that, that laugh is is proof that you're doing it right, and like with with the drama, it can be a great, powerful, honest moment, but there's no audible there's no reaction today, that you know yeah. that you're doing okay. yeah so,
1: well, yeah. and I think there's also this thing of like if you're a performer and mm-hmm. especially if you have short form experience, you know you you know the audience is there to be entertained, yeah, and right. their original thought yeah. is, and what they're expecting is to be yeah, is cool. humor, right yeah. um, And that's not to say that I haven't had very powerful dramatic moments on stage. Okay. But I've never had a whole show like that, or like a moment where I've actually where I've actually allowed myself to really believe in the in the situation and really truly feel, you know, what one would feel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I started taking acting classes because I needed to feed it, and um, and in terms of like how it's affected me on stage Mm. it's really made it more difficult (laughs) It's (laughs) kind of confused me um uh i i think that what i've kind of come to decide was that i need to take improv for what improv is and i need to take acting for what acting is and obviously my two skill sets can can Mm. can contribute to my success in each one um but i don't necessarily find them feeding the other if that makes sense. Sure.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about what that process has been like. So you've already taken steps to get into the more, it's like scripted acting world. You're, you're going to be in a show uh, coming out pretty soon now, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first read through this upcoming weekend yeah. and then rehearsals start in September. Um, uh, yeah. I'm in red velvet cake wars at theater works and Peoria center for the arts. Um, it's a, it's a pure comedy. It's like the best one for
0: me. It's like a baby step. It's,
1: yeah. I, I haven't done a play since 2007 And, uh, yeah, for this to be my first play in my adult life, what I would call my second life, um, uh, yeah, this is perfect because it's, yeah, total comedy, lots of jokes, uh, lots of physical comedy.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like... This is going to hit all the, like, satisfying spots you want, though, with it being not really a drama?
1: (laughs) You know, it's okay because uh, it's really actually okay. I'm really excited Mm. about it because um, I haven't done scripted comedy in a long time. Mm. But, like, in my acting classes at at Arizona Actors Academy, because Brandy's my coach as well, Mm. um, uh, I do a lot of drama. I do a lot of drama in in that class. And Mm. we actually have a scene festival coming up on Mm. September 15th and 29th, and I'm doing a dramatic piece and a comedic piece. Um, in there. So I'm still able to sat- satisfy yeah. that, and I definitely want to keep working on that. I think that the idea of doing drama in a play or in a movie intimidates me. <laughs> and I know that I need to get over that. Um, so I'm like right now, just auditioning as much as I can just to just to get whatever I can. Like ultimately, i'm I'm at that point where I'm trying to update my resume and, you know, try to make myself yeah. more, you know, whatever um, more
0: attractive so uh with that then so you're you're trying to take, kind of take whatever comes along right now i know that right now we're sitting outside of an audition yes, um, that you just did just for did. a much more um much more uh, i guess Dramatic piece. I mean, I know there's still elements of comedy to it, probably, and the, this type of writing. But um, how's the how's the feeling of auditioning been for you?
1: Um, I'm. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> I've been loving it. Um, I don't. You know, it's. In, I call it my second life because I just turned mm-hmm. 39, and I feel like only just within the last couple of years am I really living truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what I really want. I Like I said, there was a, you know, a period of time where I was kind of going through the grind, and although I loved what I was doing, I was very passionate about it, it didn't feel right. It wasn't right. Mm. you know. And I think that's where all the anxiety came from because I wasn't living my truth. But anyway, um, when I first started taking classes with Brandy, I was just kind of like, all right, let's mm. just figure out what this is. Let's just dip our toes in. Mm-hmm. And for uh, over a year... Trying to remember, but it took me a long time before I was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe I'll try this." And then I talked about trying it for a year, and then I go to these improv camps um, called Camp Improv Utopia. I work for um, Nick Armstrong, who runs who runs the organization, and they're at various times throughout the year. So I'm running into people that I talk to once a year who I'm very close with. So it's like you know, we run into each other and we just exp- you know express everything. <laughs> And I ran into a really good friend of mine uh, at Camp Ireland in May. And she's like, oh, so what's new with you? And I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to do that. And I can't do this anymore and I can't do that. And she's like, she looks at me and I'm like, oh, my gosh, did, I just told you all of that. The, the same stuff back in September.
0: <laughs> and
1: it was a really oh, pivotal, pivotal moment for me. Um, <laughs> I was just like, this is, this is stupid, you know, cause, cause ultimately it wasn't just that amount of time mm-hmm. that I was talking about everything I wanted to do, but not doing. It's really has been like a year or a year and a half, you know, and, um, that's not me, you know, I'm not, I'm not that person. I don't, I don't sit back and that's not true. Sometimes I sit back and let things happen around me or to <laughs> me, but, but you know, I'm, I'm a fighter. Yeah. So I, so as soon as I came home, I was like, I'm ready to work. Mm-hmm. I basically just was like ready to work. And so the auditions have been great. Yeah. I mean, I feel so like, I feel like the, 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 the skill sets that I learned taking classes mm-hmm. at AZA and, and we got a lot of audition, um, experience mm-hmm. of just, you know, in class of doing mock auditions and, uh, yeah, I felt like that prepared me very nicely. I just, you know, go in and I try to be as relaxed as possible, you know, be happy to be there, do the best that I can, yeah. and, and not you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. You know, I could screw it up and I could be pissed off about that, or I could screw it up and say, well, that's just because it's not meant to be, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think, like for, like, ultimately, the audition process is just an opportunity to just play in front of people.
0: Has... Has it been an interesting transition um, coming from like so many leadership roles because I mean even when you said you were first starting off in uh, in your original troops and stuff you were quick to take on leadership roles mm. is it odd I guess not to have uh, that that opportunity for for growth uh, like mm-hmm. kind of low man on the totem pole oh right my now God,
1: no I love it you know, I absolutely love it yeah it's, refreshing. It. I, yeah, it's <laughs> super refreshing yeah. Um, yeah really really tough decision for me to pull back from the torch as much mm-hmm. as I did and it's still very bittersweet but I but I have so much time to myself, um, uh, in which, in which I can create in which I can kind of be an artist. And I feel like, um, my artist soul wasn't being fed enough anymore. And, um, so yeah, I love it. I love, uh, not having to make decisions, um, you know, and I still get offered leadership roles all the time. Um, Like, recently, I've been given, like, all these opportunities around the country to go do things that I've built skill sets for. And I'm just like, no, not where I'm at. Not where I'm at yet in my second (laughs) life. Like, let's try this acting thing first. And, you know, I mean, I yeah, I was just going to say that I have to, you know, I feel like I have to do it. Like, I owe my, you know, my, my freshman year self that dream, you know, the dream that I pushed down, you know.
0: And do you see yourself sticking to mostly stage acting right now, or do you are you trying to look for film again as well? Or?
1: Oh yeah, no, no, film definitely. Yeah, I'd rather do film and TV for sure. But Why is that? Uh, um, uh because that's what I grew up on. You know, that's that's. I mean, I grew up watching TV. Uh, you know, like movies, <laughs> television. You know, all of the people that you know that had a, such a major impact on me. When like you know, I mean, even to the point of like. Just having a late night talk show, you know, <laughs> just because I grew up watching David Letterman, you yeah. know. It's like, oh yeah, that would be awesome.
0: So do you see yourself as Letterman or do you see yourself like as a guest on Letterman?
1: Yeah, as a guest on Letterman.
0: Okay. Yeah, 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 I I've noticed yeah. that a lot of the time with people who talk about that, they 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 don't want to be the host. They'd much rather be the person in the I chair. I actually the, yeah.
1: would love to be the host. Really? I just okay. uh, I just, you know, I need to there's things I need to accomplish before I, <laughs> I get
0: so, your, your hopes and dreams are still being tempered I, by it. I am yeah, I'm going
1: to be, have hopes and dreams till I'm 89, probably.
0: Yeah, excellent, yeah, excellent. We'll yeah. yeah, I think that's a good just kind of wrapping up to the last couple of questions I like to ask. Okay. Um, first and foremost, um, any artist of any discipline you want to just give some recognition to, you, give a shout out to.
1: Uh, like a local artist or... Yeah, any,
0: anybody in Phoenix, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I would say... Uh, I would give a shout-out to my husband, Sam Haldeman, who started Second Beat Improv Theater in 2017. He, he, uh, uh, like me, um, you know, took a lot of risks and to do something that, that he's always wanted to do that was a dream of his. Um, and uh, it's in uh, Central Phoenix. He runs classes every six weeks. Um, he's great. Uh, a very great, um, uh, funny improviser. Knows his stuff and... Um, uh, yeah I give major props to everything that he's accomplished also like me living his own truth um, yeah it's, it was inspiring that he did what he did so
0: Anything yeah. else off the top of your head or
1: uh, anyone else yeah
0: you can throw out as many as you want <laughs> oh yeah
1: oh okay um, not to put you on the spot yeah I'll right, cut right. this out afterwards if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah no 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 that's okay um, I mean there are so many people that I could name I mean anybody who performs on the Torch Theatre stage um, second beat theater stage, um, uh, damn, I do feel like I'm on the spot. <laughs> We're talking about local, right? Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: that's, you know, any valley artists like to kind of give, uh, give each other a hand here. Yeah.
1: Know. Well, my, my brother-in-law, not to keep it in the nepotism side, but my, it is nepotism, right? That's the yeah. right word? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my brother-in-law, Phil Haldeman, uh, was Denny in the Room and he has a comic book, um, called my big break um and that's very cool so you can support him um let's see um, i'm just trying to think of like neato things that people are doing sure. um that would be cool to plug for them yeah, um yeah just the uh the scene okay. festival that's happening at az um coming up september 15th and the 29th I'll mm-hmm. be in the 15th.
0: Yeah, I was so. going to say, the next thing I would, I would ask is anything you want to promote. So let's help yeah, more yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I, I'll be in the, this, the Fall Scene Festival September 15th, 7.30 p.m. at Arizona Actors Academy. And then Red Velvet Cake Wars opens October 26th and closes November 11th. Um, and that'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday matinees. Um, and that's really all I... Oh, and Ghost Fest. Hmm. So the Torch Theater does a, a, a annual marathon called Ghost Fest, and it's the second weekend of October. Um, and that's always fun. It's, tw- it's, uh, uh, there's shows all day long, all night long, um, from Friday night to Saturday night. So awesome. check that out as well.
0: Really cool. Last thing i like to ask, uh, just a piece of advice you'd want to give somebody who's going down a similar path than you.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like the biggest, the best advice I ever got, uh, it wasn't advice. It was a comment. Um, somebody, uh, a mentor of mine told me that he was enjoying my process And I felt like um, I did not really necessarily think about it that way before, but um, it is a process. Life is a process. Being an artist is a process. Whatever you choose to do for yourself, with yourself, is a process. And the process never ends. So the sooner you can get comfortable with that, the happier
0: you'll be. Everything's a process, so enjoy the process, and others will, too.
1: Yes, absolutely, 100%. (laughs) Jackie Aaron, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Tony.
0: Special thanks to Nick Machete for writing our theme music, and Taylor Machete for all of her support. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget to follow us and leave nice ratings on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Pinecast.co. And if you or someone you know is pursuing something artistic in the Phoenix area and you'd like to be on the podcast, write to me at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.